What is up, guys? Welcome to the third episode of the Man to Man Coverage Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Suren Zaveri, and I guess we're no longer a podcast anymore. We've switched to video, we've added another dimension to our content, and we're excited. We hope you enjoy it, listeners. Um, first off, Kevin Joffrey, how you guys doing? I'm, I'm doing fine during this quarantine. I'm doing fine, yeah. Mm-hmm. You holding up? Holding up okay, Joff? Yeah, you back right. You missed our last uh, pod. Looks like you've been working out there with your Nike uh, shirt there, uh, Joffrey. Uh, not at all. All right, we got we got a lot to cover today in the NFL and the NBA. Um, but first, I wanted to share some sad news. Um, Carl Anthony Towns' mother, Jacqueline, has died of the coronavirus. Um, and this is the first like death that we've heard in the sports world. This first major death. What are your guys' initial reactions to it? Yeah, I remember when Cat uh, released um, the first announcement about how his mother was sick. Um, and I think this is just a huge, like a real reminder that you know, coronavirus can really impact anyone. No one's safe. Uh, coronavirus does not discriminate. doesn't matter if you're rich. doesn't matter if you're poor, black, white, Asian. does not matter. They will get you. And I think people still aren't taking social distancing uh, seriously enough. I think that we as a country need to endure for just a few more months until, so that we can flatten the curve, help our healthcare system. So we all want to go back out. Um, but just now is not the time. And I think that, you know, prayers to Kat and his family. Um, but I think that's like a real reminder that uh, coronavirus can destroy families. Yeah. It's really sad to see, especially since, Kat's mom was such a supportive person for him. You could see her in the crowds, like after the Joel Embiid and Colin uh, T. Downs fight, you could see her like cursing out Joel Embiid. Like she was someone that a lot of people knew about, and I feel like she was a good mom to him. So it's really sad to see that a great person just lost her life to COVID-19. Yeah, and when when he got drafted, you saw her with him being his hype man, hype woman, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so it's it's very sad to see something like that happen. Um, moving on to some more recent news. Um, in the NFL, Christian McCaffrey signed a big contract. High, he's the highest paid running back in NFL history now, $16 million roughly, I think, per year higher than Ezekiel Elliott. Um, Do you think he deserves this? I mean, he's, he's been at the top of his game for a while now. Yeah, he definitely deserves this, but I think they paid him a little too early, like two years old. You see what happened to seek. You see what happened to talk early. Running backs are the position that takes a lot of hits. They take a hit every single time they carry the ball. So we really don't know how, how they're going to hold up if they're going to last maybe the next five years. But I would say that Christian McCaffrey is one of the running backs I would pay because he's such a weapon. He can not only run the ball, but he's also a great wide receiver. So that adds a completely new dimension to the Panthers offense. So he would be one of the running backs I would pay, but I think it's a, they paid him a little too early. Um, I disagree. I don't think that they paid him a bit too early. And I do agree that he, he absolutely deserves this contract. Uh, if you just look at Christian McCaffrey the past few years, um, 
he has been one of the most durable running backs. So we, when we look at running backs and don't want to pay them a lot, it's because they take a lot of contact, like Joffrey said. But McCaffrey has played over 90% of his team's snaps, uh, possible snaps on the past two years, played more than Zeke, played more than Kamara, and he doesn't have arthritis like Todd Gurley. So I think Todd Gurley is a completely different case. And also Christian McCaffrey, um, he set the NFL record for the most catches by a running back the, in consecutive years. Uh, he's been the third player only in NFL history to have, you know, back-to-back 1,000 thousand yard receiving, 1,000 yard rushing. He's the most versatile uh, running back in the NFL. I think he's the best running back in the NFL possibly. Um, this contract, uh, he's well-deserved. And also there's something in the contract to note that the contract ends before he hits the age of 30. That's usually when running backs – um, they start to falter. And so this is perfectly, um, you know, this is perfect because this is during his prime, instead of setting him up for new coaches, Joe Brady, Matt Rule, they love to have this type of versatile dual threat running back. So I think this is a great, uh, great job by Carolina Panthers in retaining Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, he's definitely um, a workhorse. He's, I saw some weird stat the other day that he's like in there in, in the, um, a player's top three seasons only Michael Thomas has had more receptions. And this is all players, wide receivers and running backs in their first three seasons. Christian McCaffrey is second with receptions. So he's definitely a dual threat. And he can, I think he can take a lot of the load off of Teddy Bridgewater. For sure. And not not only that, I feel like running backs are a position that you could find in abundance. Like there's so many good running backs in the draft every single year. You're probably going to get a solid running back if you look at this draft alone, you have Jonathan Taylor, you have J.K. Dobbins, you have uh, DeAndre Swift. So there's so many running backs in the draft. I feel like, do you really have to pay a running back right uh, before, like two years before, when you can find easily find a running back in the draft and not and pay him as a rookie as a rookie contract? Just when you have a running back of Christian McCaffrey's caliber or Ezekiel Elliott caliber, Saquon Barkley caliber, you've got to pay those players because they're going to be the face of your franchise. Panthers franchise, Cam Newton was the face. He's the past now. It's Christian McCaffrey. It's Christian McCaffrey time. C-Mac 22 all the way for Carolina Panthers. Yeah, I know. I mean, Panthers that's what they said about David Johnson yeah. and Todd Gurley, but that didn't work out at all. So no, so David Johnson was a different story. So David Johnson was hyped up because of his fantasy season. He was the number one fantasy running back, and that's why everyone was talking about him. But once Bruce Arians was gone and they didn't have that offensive mindset, Carson Palmer gone, there was no offensive structure in Carolina. That offensive line absolutely tanked. David Johnson got one injury, boom, done. But C-Mac is different. C-Mac played 90, 93%, 91% of his team snaps, and he's just a completely different player. And um, I think C-Mac is different, and I think – he's probably going to be the star face of the NFL for the next few years. Yeah, just looking at the like highest paid running backs in the NFL, David Johnson is actually like fourth highest paid running back in the NFL. I and think I think that's a testament to management. Yeah. Uh, I think Kenyon Drake is sixth. And like so this running back market is just completely whack in my opinion. I think some running backs you I think a running back's value comes before their contract, most of their value. And then after, after you pay them, like you start, you start to see them regress as they enter the later twenties. So, I mean, I guess both sides have a point. So, I mean, I guess you have to also look at like when Todd Gurley got that four year, $60 million contract from the Rams, 
these these teams are setting the market for the running back position. So if any team's got to blame um, other teams that they had to pay their running back high amount, just look to the Rams, look to the Panthers, because they're the team and the Cowboys. They're the teams that are, uh, I guess, paying a lot for these running backs. Yeah, and how are the Titans going to justify now not giving Derrick Henry a contract? Right. Mm-hmm. Derrick Henry car- carried that team to the AFC Championship. <laughs> Absolutely. And they franchise tagged him, so it's another thing to think about. Um, okay, let's let's move on. Um, Joffrey, you said you had some thoughts you wanted to get out about the NFL draft since you weren't on our last pod. What did oh, you yeah. want to say? Hi. Right, so y'all talked about every single quarterback, but the one quarterback, I feel like he can have a better career than Joe Burrow. Because Joe Burrow is going to the Bengals. He's in a division with the Ravens, the Steelers. And the Browns, who are, going to be, who are going to be great teams for maybe the next five to ten years. But if I feel like Jordan Love is going to drop in the draft. He might go from like 20 to 30. He can be drafted by the Saints. And if you look at uh, the Saints, have, uh, Sean Payne, obviously, then Michael Thomas, they're going to solidify their offensive alignment with Brian Manchek. And he's also going to sit under Drew Brees for the next few years. So I feel like he can develop into a stud if he goes to a team like the Saints or maybe even the Packers. So I feel like Jordan Love can have a much better career than most of the other quarterbacks if you're talking about. Well, I think you're just talking about him possibly going to a good system because he's not as a good quarterback as Joe Burrow. So he's not going to go to a bad team. That's how the NFL draft works. And I've seen Jordan Love play in real life. I've seen him play against LSU. He was hot garbage. 50% completion rate. He threw zero touchdowns and three interceptions. And might I say that the LSU defense wasn't even a good defense during this whole season. Everyone criticized LSU. That's why a lot of people put Ohio State in front of LSU, because of the LSU's defense. They looked at the LSU's defense as their biggest weakness. Jordan Love had 20 touchdowns and 17 interceptions. That is, an, that is a subpar right. touchdown interception. People out here comparing him to Patrick Mahomes. Like, no, right, that, that was a junior year, first of all. We compare him to Patrick Mahomes. I think Jordan Love is highly overrated. No, yeah. I don't think he's overrated at all. I you don't think, think he's overrated at all? No, in his sophomore season, he had six interceptions and he had 30 touchdowns. And then he lost his head coach. And that's why he has such a big regression. And... Utah, Utah State is in like LSU who have two great wide receivers in Justin Jefferson and uh, Jamar Chase. They have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. But what they, does a good quarterback a do, Joffrey? He lifts the team around him. A good quarterback has the capability of doing that. Joe Burrow didn't do that in his junior season. Yeah, but because that, that's because LSU, that. LSU's offense back then. It was still an ancient I-formation I offense um, mm-hmm. with a bunch of – they brought Matt Kennedy, and he did nothing except do pre, pre-snap shifts like that did anything. Um, it was just a testament to the offense because Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, like all these weapons were there, and they still didn't do that well either. So that's just an offensive system that was failing. You can say the same thing about Utah State's offense. They really weren't that good. But you've been watching I, Utah State's offense? Not at all. For two years? I've been <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I've been reading a bunch of mock draft articles. I watch highlights and that's basically it. Yeah, like <laughs> you with every other sports, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean I don't know that many people that follow Utah State super <laughs> but Jordan Love, he has had some uh hiccups. Like you see throws where if you if you see the highlights that are they're showing like in his scouting. He's, he's had some bad throws that he just 
has mental lapses. Like I get that people are seeing like small Mahomes type moments, but that's just, I think that's just cause he has a big arm. Uh, I see more of Sam Darnold moments from him. He has yeah. no idea. What he's seeing ghosts. <laughs> he's on not, he's not accurate. <laughs> hey, Sam I, I would, honestly, I would take Jalen Hurts over him. I don't know why no, people are no. Jalen Hurts projecting him late uh, second round. Jalen Hurts is disciplined. He comes yeah. from systems where he has learned discipline. I think Jalen Hurts is a better pick. What do you think about Jalen Hurts? He's he he had a good run in Alabama until obviously Tua came into that national championship game and won it. But, but then, then the year after, Tua got injured and Jalen Hurts came in and won the game for them. The, exactly. Uh, the championship game. I mean, I think, I think so. A lot, a lot of NFL drafts, and every year we have these obscure quarterbacks from like lower tier schools that the NFL scouts just love. They just, they just say that he's an NFL prototype quarterback. But honestly, I have more faith in quarterbacks like Jalen Hurts. I, I've seen him play. He's proven himself on the field. I don't care if another quarterback from a smaller tier school has be- better metrics and better uh, characteristics of an NFL quarterback. I think Jalen Hurts has proven success and proven leadership. I take that over anything. Yeah, he's, he's really mature. Um, I guess an example of somebody that use just random schools that might have been busts are like Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. Um, we don't know about Josh Rosen yet, but like, yeah, yeah. sometimes you don't find about find out about these quarterbacks until the draft comes, and then yeah. like their names just get super hyped, and you're like, where did these guys come from? Exactly. What are we talking about? Do you have anything to add to that, Joffrey? I feel like he's a th- third round pick. Third round? Yeah, I I don't think he's gonna go in the second I don't know. round. I think he's if he sits behind a good quarterback, he hmm. he can do some things in the future, mm-hmm. like a Big Ben even mm-hmm. behind him. He could take mm-hmm. over for the Steelers. He's mobile. I like Jordan Love better, though. <laughs> this is why you're not an NFL GM. Okay, I mean, let's let's move to the NBA. All right, we haven't yeah. talked about the NBA that much on this on this show. Uh, but one thing we can talk about with the NBA is uh, the mid the end of season awards because those haven't been awarded yet, and we don't know when the NBA season is going to resume. The NBA season up to this point was one of the best seasons I've seen in my lifetime so far. The most competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's 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 start with MVP. Who do you guys think is your NBA MVP? Giannis and Simon close. I agree. It's Giannis. Uh, I know LeBron yeah. James had a dominant stretch in the late late season. I know he's been carrying this team, and everyone was talking about how the Lakers are going to win the championship. But it's Giannis. He, Giannis has dominated throughout the whole season, and not only that, but Giannis adds a defensive side that's way better than LeBron. Giannis, he, he, I mean, Giannis is my pick for defensive player of the year as well. I think he's just a complete player. James Harden says he has no skill, he just dunks. But, I mean, if he can't stop the dunk, that makes him unstoppable. So, I mean, I, I the think, big man who handles. I'm actually against both you guys here. I think LeBron is MVP. What? Wow. What I wow. saw from LeBron late in that season. Um. It's some of those those games down the stretch where you know the Lakers had to win to secure their top seeding, and even like meaningless games where LeBron just goes hard. I saw, I saw LeBron play some of his best basketball that I've seen him play in a while, like with with AD and with the, that Lakers team with the necessary pieces around him. LeBron LeBron's always been good at shooting. I think his three point shot improved, um, and he's just been a more dominant force. You saw him against. 
Giannis in that Bucks Lakers game where he LeBron took over at the end. So that I feel I, like I'm a, I'm a big respect respecter of LeBron and who he is, and so that's why I still think LeBron would be MVP over Giannis. I feel like LeBron's was a better story. So let's say if you put Giannis' stats and give them to LeBron, would LeBron would be an unanimous MVP if he had Giannis' stats? LeBron's is a better story right now. I don't think he's anywhere close to Giannis in the MVP conversation. Well, while I, I disagree with that point. I think it's close. I think it's very close. Um, and I think a lot of voters will probably stray away from LeBron only because LeBron has past MVPs. And usually voters like to vote for someone new. But I, I think it's a close race. Um, but if you just look throughout the whole season, even stats-wise, uh, Giannis has pro- pretty much dominated in almost every single metric besides like assists and those things. But, you know, LeBron's that type of player. Giannis is a different type of player. But um, I th- this is a regular season award. And if you just look at the regular season, the Bucks are clearly the best team in the NBA in the regular season. And major part is because of Giannis. And um, they've been blowing out teams that were dominant throughout the whole season as well. So I, th- I think this is definitely Giannis's award um, for sure. All right, that's that's respectable. Um, another one that's still kind of debatable: Rookie of the Year. I I'm a big Zion fan. I think I don't know <laughs> what Zion did in the, those few games that he played was enough compared to Ja. So that's why I would still give Ja Rookie of the Year. But I think if the season would have played out, if Zion would have continued doing what he was doing, I think he would have had Rookie of the Year. What do you guys think? I would say Josh is still the rookie of the year. But if LeBron, I mean, not LeBron, if Sion played 40 games like Josh, I think it, it wouldn't be close. It would be Sion would be rookie of the year. Sion was putting up 20 it's, plus points per game every game that he played. He averaged 23.5 points a game, seven rebounds. It's like stats better than Jimmy Butler, but in much hey. less minutes. He's been yeah. sensational. I agree. Um, I think John Morant is the rookie of the year. Um, Zion Williamson just not, does not have enough playing time. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's unfair to give it to a player who's played less than half the season. Um, and John Morant clearly has been stellar and he's been consistent. Um, he's been doing this for much of the whole season. Um, and also we see that Memphis team, um, I mean, currently with the eighth seed. So if the playoffs are today, yeah. they'll be in the playoffs. So John Morant played a big part in the Grizzlies uh, going up past the Mike Conley era. Um, but you know, I've watched Zion's uh, debut against the Spurs, and that was just oh, a like, wow. like, I watched that, that four for four. Yeah, that was, that was that so many times now. Zion the was buzzing. Um, you can just feel the energy even through your TV screen. Like Zion, if he played just half the season, he'd be the unanimous rookie of the year. He's gonna be a force to be reckoned with. And people say he was a bust. Well, all those people probably hate themselves right now because <laughs> Zion Williamson is mm-hmm. gonna be the face of the Pelicans franchise. And the Pelicans are going to make the playoffs next year. Mark my words. I believe that too. Um, let's talk about most improved player. There's a couple. There's a couple you could choose for this one. Um, some names out there: Luka, Luka Doncic. He went from a rookie sensation to an almost MVP candidate. Um, there's Brandon Ingram, who took a huge step, and there's also Bam Adebayo. And, I mean, obviously there's other names, but those are some of the names that we're seeing mentioned. What do you guys think for most improved player? I feel like it's a two-man race between Brandon Ingram and 
Bam Adebayo. Uh, Bam Adebayo has been a better defender. I I would give Brandon Ingram the most improved player because he's averaging 25 points a game from, I think it was maybe 15 points a game last season. He has had a major improvement with this new Pelicans offense. So I would give Brandon Ingram the uh, most improved player over Bam Adebayo. Um. I agree with the fact that it's a it's a two man race between Brandon Ingram and Bam Adebayo, but I think this award is for Bam Adebayo. Um, the, this Miami Heat team has surprised so many people this year, um, and Bam Adebayo played a huge part in that. Uh, he's not only just a great fit for that type of system in Miami, but he's a great rim protector. His defense is really good, and. Um, as much of a Pelicans fan I am, uh, just watching the, the, these games, I've been so frustrated with Brandon Ingram late in the game. Um, he, he's been losing some of his shots. Yeah, and he, he, he just goes on a cold streak where he misses a bunch of shots or he has really stupid turnovers. Um, and, I, I, I mean, Brandon Ingram did a lot, uh, a lot of improvement from last year, and I think he's been – a superstar. He deserves a uh, max contract with the Pelicans. Um, and he's probably going to be the face of the Pelicans with Zion and Lonzo. Um, but I just think that Adebayo just played a bigger part in his team's uh, be- being a dominant force in the East. Um, and Ingram did a lot for the Pelicans, but it really was when Zion came that the Pelicans went on a really Im- improving stretch. It wasn't Ingram that really yeah. made that happen. Yeah, I think Ingram... Um definitely deserves a lot of respect for what he did without Zion. Mm-hmm. He, he's been shouldering most of the load the entire season. And then with Bam, I haven't watched Bam play that much, but I know that the Miami Heat like have had significant improvement from last year. And people were saying Miami Heat could be a dark horse finals, like finals contender. They could come out of the East. Um, I don't know about that, but Bam has definitely improved that team. Perhaps one day we can get our Miami Heat specialist Johnny Bonez in here. To <laughs> yes, team. we gotta get Johnny <laughs> on here for sure. Um, another name there was also Jason Tatum for most improved player. I don't know what you guys think about that. I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I mean, Jason Tatum, Tatum was really good this year, but yeah. um, I, I just think that the he was level up, of kind of just got to compare from last year to this year. Yeah, and um, it, the the ch- amount of change between Ingram last year and this year, and Adebayo last year and this year is just much more significant. All right, so moving on from the NBA, um, we wanted to sh- I wanted you guys to share some of the highlights that you've been watching, some kind of for our viewers, you know, what kind of things you've been watching in quarantine, what what's fun to like old memories you've been reliving. Is there any highlights you want to share? I was excited for the horse game. That was a disaster. It, it that was, was blurry. You could barely see Chauncey's so face. I tried yeah. to watch Trey Young versus Chauncey Billups. Yeah. <laughs> the, amount, the, the quality was absolutely just like hard. Me, me yeah. and my brother could play that game on our, on our <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. And the uh, I mean, I know they're doing their best to, uh, you know, entertain us, but yeah, I, I did not find it entertaining. I just found it boring. I think the 2K tournament was okay, though. Oh, I like it. It got competitive towards the end. I don't know if you guys followed it. The trash talk. But the trash talk, Patrick Beverly. Um, but I mean, I think one good thing on this quarantine is that there's been a lot more um, spotlight on more obscure sports. Um, and we also get to see highlights from crazy things like marble racing. 
Like, I thought it was stupid, but then I watched the video. It was pretty exciting. And I think Joe Buck commentated it, too. Um, Joe I Buck mean, commentating on Marble Race. <laughs> Even, oh I mean, at this Joe point, I'm, I'm craving sports so much that I would love to hear <laughs> Joe Buck. I would love to hear uh, Joe even Buck's voice, man. <laughs> Not it. <laughs> yeah, so another thing I've been doing is, like, on Instagram, I've, I've just been seeing these random posts with these stupid takes and, like, these stupid people commenting on it. And I, like, respond to them. I'm like, I get, I get into a lot of Instagram comment arguments. I don't know about you guys. Geoffrey, you said you wanted to share something about your, your endeavors in comment fighting. On Twitter. Yeah, I do the same thing, but on Twitter, I mess with, like, Jonathan Bullness. Like, everything about Miami, he, he says, well, I just disagree with them. And then I also, a few days ago, actually it was yesterday, never mind, um, this 49ers fan, he was talking about how he would rather have, he would be pissed if the 49ers drafted Jordan Love with the 13th pick. And I just replied to him, I was like, he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh. It's a pawn to them. I don't know where they come from. It's like 20 different 49ers fans. They just keep on attacking me. Well, that's what happens. It's, it's, that's what happens when you make. That's what, that's what happens wrong. when you say something ludicrous yeah. like that. First of all, it, it, it's not wrong. <laughs> it is. It is wrong. And let me tell you no, why. Listen. So I've taken part in social media arguments before, <laughs> and I stopped because it's absolutely useless. Because you're talking to a wall. Um, they don't. They, yeah. they just don't know common sense. Like I've heard someone say Texas A&M is better than LSU. I, I just I was done. But to your point. Why in the world would the 49ers use the 13th pick on Jordan Love? It makes absolutely no sense. They already have their run-first offense, so they have a competent quarterback in place already. They would, they would rather use that pick to get a wide receiver or some other area of need. Why in the world would they – that's basically like saying, I traded the Forrest Buckner for Jordan Love. That's just crazy. And I yeah. agree with the 49ers fans there. And actually, I read that <laughs> argument you had. You said Jimmy Garoppolo, all he does is throw six to ten yards down the field. And then the boy responded with a video of Garoppolo <laughs> throwing a ball like 50 yards deep on the Saints. He completely destroyed you. Yeah, I, I, I don't know about the kind of arguments you get into, Joffrey, but like <laughs> Jordan Love is, he's not, I think you're being biased by your previous argument for like how much you support Jordan Love. And no, also biased can't, against can't the 49ers because. All of last year and leading up to this year, he said the 49ers were garbage, and then 49ers represented the They're NFL. still garbage. They're 16. I mean, you're just a 49ers hater. If you want to argue, spit some. No. no, and by the way, I didn't say they should pick Jordan Love with the 13th overall pick. I just Isn't said, that what you just said? That he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. I said he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, but the 49ers fans' argument was that they'd be mad if they used 13th pick on Jordan Love, correct? Yeah, but so then that means your I, response had no, no, nothing no. to do with what he said. Garoppolo <laughs> led the 49ers to a Super Bowl. Like, even if they no, no, Garoppolo didn't do that. Raheem Mustard did that. Garoppolo had no, Garoppolo had no part in the Super Bowl. Oh, uh, actually, that's played. false because if no. if Garoppolo Garoppolo did Except what no. he had to do, he did the job that Kyle Shanahan gave him in that system. He did what he had to do. So you don't, you can't discredit someone for doing their job. No, uh, all right. First of all. Ryan Raheem basically carried them to the Super Bowl, and the one time the wait, 49ers actually needed Garoppolo wait, in the wait, Super Bowl. Wait, first first of all, it's Raheem. Okay, he's talking about Raheem. Raheem You said like Okay, wait, 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 Jeffrey. Last time I checked, 
Serge, Serge, is, is football a team sport or an individual sport? Let me know. I don't know. I mean, when I look at the screen, I see like 22 guys on the field, but I, I don't think so. I, mean, I don't know if that's last so. time I checked, it was it was eleven yeah. players per team on on the field at the time, right? So a how can a single player? So a team success has to do with everyone's collective ability, not right, one I'll person. Give I'll give you that, but the 49ers needed Jimmy Garoppolo to make a play in the Super Bowl, and guess what happened? He choked. There was a wide open Emmanuel Sanders right down the field, and he overthrew him by a mile. I think that happened twice, not once. I think we easily won that game if Jimmy Garoppolo made one of so, those throws. Hey, so let's look at the NFC Championship game. Overtime. All right. I don't like mm-hmm. talking about this, but Drew Brees threw an interception, right? So do we just say he's a bad quarterback because he made a mistake? Tom Brady's last throw was a Patriot. Pick six led to them being dis- disqualified from playoffs. Is he a bad quarterback? He made a mistake, right? <laughs> what about Sam Darnold? He <laughs> got nothing, bro. <laughs> I think you, you, you made an outrageous comment, and now you're trying to defend it. <laughs> No, it, it isn't outrageous. And caution and still doesn't trust Jimmy Garoppolo. He trusted his running back more than him in the playoffs. I think that's true. And, and at the end of the second half, uh, before the start of the second half, he, uh, they had like one minute on the clock. They had timeouts left. But he didn't give Jimmy Garoppolo the ball. He just let the clock run down. Man, they could have maybe scored a touchdown. So I still think uh, – I, I still don't trust Jimmy Garoppolo. I think they're a 60 seed team next year because of Jimmy G. So the 49ers, that mm-hmm. team spends the most out of all teams in the NFL on a running back position. You don't spend mm-hmm. the most on one position to not utilize that position in your offensive system. Kyle Shanahan understands that he has four great running backs. He has a great committee in the backfield. He utilizes them perfectly. That's why the 49ers went to the Super Bowl as a run first team because they utilize that system so perfectly. And Kyle Shanahan, with his offensive genius, might I say more of an offensive genius than Adam Gase, that the 49ers went to the Super Bowl while the Jets were in the gutter. <laughs> and just when you, you know, think, that still doesn't, just when you think he's about to like hit you with a, another running back, he like does some end around to Debo Samuel and wide open. Exactly. Kyle Shanahan is just a, a great offensive mind that Creative. knows his, the limitations of Jimmy. He like, even used John Payton's shovel pass from a fullback on the Saints, and it worked. <laughs> no, that's still just an excuse him for not giving Jimmy Garoppolo the ball at the end of the first half. Even though it's a run for team. A lot of teams do that, though. Ball. I mean, even what? with the Saints, even with the Patriots, like, once, like, like... Not the Super Bowl. You a lot, a lot of teams just like to play it safe. No, you don't do that in the Super Bowl, though. You should trust your quarterback at that moment. All right. Well, we can, we can like, ridicule why the 49ers <laughs> didn't win the Super Bowl. We can debate that all day. They made it, at least. But, yeah, they, they were the team. They're not they making it next year. the best team in the NFC. I, I agree with you there. It's, it's yeah. the Saints here next year. And, and not only that, no, the Seahawks, the, the Seahawks and the Cardinals are in the same division. They're, uh, the Cardinals are going to rebound. The Seahawks are still going to be good. Uh, I feel like the Seahawks are going to win the wait, division. Wait, tell me, tell me, other than DeAndre Hopkins, uh, what, what did the Cardinals do to improve themselves? No. Tyler Murray takes a step forward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kyle Murray's going to be better. Okay, yeah, so two players are going to no. – well, the 49ers basically retained almost every single piece of their team and will even improve at 13th pick in the NFL draft. Uh, Cardinals and the 49ers, they had two close games last year, and Cardinals almost beat them twice. Now that DeAndre Hopkins, they could probably beat them. Seahawks should have won both games against the 49ers. Should have, would have, the, could have, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, they should have. The, uh, the second game – 
what happened was that uh, they had the ball at the one yard line, and the Seahawks made a stupid mistake. Uh, five yard penalty. So whose fault is that? Then after, that that's Seahawks' fault, but exactly. it, it's, it's an easy game to win. It's after that, a missed pass interference called by the ref. So, so basically, what I'm hearing start. is that all these teams are screw ups. So, how are they going to be better than 49ers? No, but no, I think that's discrediting the 49ers. I'm just saying the Seahawks should have won that game. Just don't discredit the 49ers. The Seahawks should the win. They still probably are, but every team they played in the playoffs in the NFC, they definitely deserve some credit. I think Saints and 49ers are the teams to look at at the top of the NFC this year still. Um, the most definitely not the Packers. So yeah. overrated. <laughs> let's let's, let's close that argument and let's let's get to this last thing that we as New Orleans fans wanted to talk about. Kevin, you want to? Yeah. So there was a report that came out just recently that the then New Orleans Hornets almost acquired Steph Curry and Clay Thompson um, in exchange for Chris Paul, and that was a trade that then GM Dell Demps. And then 